I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as uh, taking you home here through the month of February Baseball season officially kicks off this weekend as Nebraska baseball is down south in the Houston area uh, playing four games. We're going to talk about that a little bit here as uh, a lot of expectations uh, for Will Bolt's squad. Um, But, Robin, we are less than two weeks away. In fact, February 28th, Nebraska will open up spring practice, and and that's where the attention is. Um, I believe the spring game tickets were twenty to 30,000 range last I checked, but um, this is a very intriguing spring for a lot of reasons, and I don't know what we're going to see or what we're going to learn, at least publicly, about the spring, um, but there's no doubt when you go back and like study Scott Frost's time here, um, obviously his first spring was intriguing because he was new, but um, this, is a, you know, it, it, this, is, this is about as interesting as it gets for spring. Yeah, and you know, I doubt the game itself is going to do much. Uh, they'll probably keep it as we'll a really option. possible. <laughs> run some fullback uh you know to keep that element surprise for northwestern going but uh you know still it's it's the first glimpse for a lot of very intriguing storylines that fans are going to get where not only are you going to see what this offense looked like with a completely overhauled offensive coaching staff but you're going to get to see quarterbacks that um, nebraska fans have never seen in a husker uniform take the field of memorial stadium for the first time so that in itself generates a lot of buzz but you know also i think that there's just the renewed optimism that's happened over the last few months, I think has really changed just the whole viewpoint of what this spring is. And then when you go through the annual spring hype where, you know, all the profiles get written about every player on the team. And, uh, you know, by the end of the end of the spring, you're talking about walk-ons that uh, are surprising, you know, the, the Cooper Jewett type stories that we always get every spring. Uh, by that point, I would imagine that the, the interest level for this spring will be, as high, maybe maybe second only to that first spring as any of the Scott Frost era. Well, the, not every position though is complete, so I, I think you got to put it in context because I, I think quarterback obviously that's a that's a given. Um, you're not going to get to see Richard Torres, but obviously Chubba Purdy and 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 the Casey running backs. Thompson. I wouldn't even say the running backs are as interesting yet because AJ Allen's not here, mm-hmm. Emmett Johnson's not here, and Gabe Irvin's out. So, but you get Grant. You get Grant. I mean, you get one guy, one new guy, and then Jacques Giant, Marquis Step, Ramir Johnson, and Ramir Johnson. So, I mean, the, the, I think it's intriguing to see what Grant can do. But I, I, AJ Allen, and then even Gabe Irvin. I mean, that that's a huge part of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think receiver though is really interesting um, when you talk about Trey Palmer and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda um, all being here early for the spring. Uh, Victor Jones is here, but Mickey Joseph. I just think what he brings. That, to me, is an extremely intriguing position. 
mainly because of Mickey Joseph and, and Trey Palmer. And, and I really think Garcia Castaneda is another guy that needs to be in that conversation too. Yeah, no doubt. That that position group is probably as improved from an on-paper standpoint as any uh, you know on the team uh, with the additions they've been able to make. But throw maybe tight end in there as well. Uh, obviously, Austin Allen has big shoes to fill, and Vocalette comes back. But you know, this is maybe the first look of, at the the new Thomas Fedoni. You look at this the the gains he's made coming off that injury. He's a really intriguing piece to this offense. And then obviously, offensive line. Um, I don't know what answers we're going to get this spring just because I think it's still incomplete, like you mentioned. Um, probably going to be, what would you think, at least one more addition? Uh, well, no Turner Corcoran, no Teddy Prohaska, right. no new transfer addition yet other right. than, I mean, they got Hunter Anthony and Kevin Williams, but at least today I don't see those two guys as starters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the addition could be somebody that has really truly been a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyler Steen, um, from Vanderbilt is the guy to watch right now. He was the starting left tackle for three years at Vanderbilt. I know that's a guy um, that they're really, really on is Steen. So um, we'll see where that goes. So the reps and position groupings on that offensive line, what exactly are they going to mean? If nothing else, they'll give opportunities for some other guys, especially with some of those you know, more known commodities sitting out. Uh, you know, I mean, Henry Lutovsky is going to be a big name. Everybody's going to be watching him and seeing how he is able to take advantage of What about Bryce Benhart? Benhart, can he bounce back? Huge storyline I mean, there. I mean he, he had, in terms of just the data and the numbers, the, the worst offensive line season almost in the country last year on Pro Football Focus. Not, not my numbers, their numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the hurries and the pressures and the things, can can they get a turnaround? Donovan Raiola, I, I think he's a huge story, obviously, but... You know, th- then you flip over to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the second I, I think D line, O line, or I'm sorry, D line linebacker. You know, we kind of know what's there. There's really you know, got Nash Hutmacher is going to probably emerge a little bit more, and some other guys there. But the back end to me is where all the stories are. Marquise mm-hmm. Buford, Tommy Hill at a corner spot. Omar Brown's out for the spring. He's not going to go through spring ball. Deshaun Singleton at a safety spot. Uh, Javier Morton at a safety spot. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of new blood in that secondary, and that that's why I'm intrigued about that group. Yeah, there's a lot of experience that needs to be replaced back there as well. With uh, you know losing the veterans that they did, um, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, and you know, you look at all the new additions they brought in. They've got some younger guys too. That the time is now. You know, Noah Pola Gates. This this is your chance. You better take advantage of it. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get passed up pretty quickly here. So those those are certainly going to be some of the more or probably most intriguing position battles at those safety spots. And then I'd probably say even both corners. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Newsom's, Newsom's kind of penciled in there right now, but you know, I mean, Tommy he, Hill versus Marquise Buford to me is going to be one of the better battles. I, Braxton Clark, I think is in that conversation. I mean, what about Tyreek Johnson? I mean, he, he really didn't have much of a year last year because he got COVID in August and came later. And I believe he had a foot injury when he got here. So could could a guy like Tyreek Johnson just come out of nowhere? I mean, it's funny to say a five star coming out of nowhere, yeah, but he was out. He was nowhere last year. He yeah. didn't travel. He didn't play special teams. Um, and, you know, so what? Where's he at? But you know, I, I really think Tommy Hill and and Marquise Buford are, are two guys at that corner spot to watch this spring. Yeah, I know there were some questions during the chat this week too about Miles Farmer. Uh, you know, obviously everybody's saying he's one of the starting safeties. You know, I think he's still got some stuff to prove a little bit, too. I mean, he didn't have the best year. Uh, obviously, he was that next guy 
behind Dismuke and Williams, but you know, I think that with with the influx of talent they've brought in, um, he's going to have to go out and, and re-earn that spot. I don't think that anything's a given with that. That's it's a deep spring, though. I mean, you, you look at just scholarship players on campus now. I mean, there's a lot of bodies here already, and they'll get more, um, you know, in, in the summer. Um, but there's a lot, um, no doubt. Special teams, we won't see Timmy Bleakrod yet. He's going to get his degree at Furman, then come in May. Uh, but we, we will see Brian Buscini. Um, the, the punter, the All-American FCS punter, FCS punter of the year. Um, we'll get to see guys hopefully field punts. And, you know, is that something they're going to do live, you know, in the spring game? Or, you know, typically you don't want to let guys get yeah, hurt. Usually they just they punt it and then catch it. Like, it's usually always a fair catch. But maybe this situation they want to do it live. I doubt it, but. Me too. Um, it just Yeah, there's a lot of angles to watch. I mean, you know, Mark Whipple, we didn't even get to on offense, but what what's he going to bring? you know how much influence i mean i get the impression it really is going to be him running this offense mm-hmm. as you know and, and, and frost will be a part of it um but what will it look like with whipple kind of pushing the buttons yeah and again i'm sure there's going to be a lot of development on that front that we're just not going to see <laughs> they're going to keep that as close to the vest as possible because you look at that ireland trip the biggest advantage they have is the unknown um northwestern can't scout what nebraska's offense is going to be they can't scout their quarterback they can't scout the majority of their position players so that uh, secrecy, I think, will be maintained all the way up until kickoff in Dublin. But when we get to go watch like the stretching and the warm-up practice, you'll have some media guys will act like, oh, oh so-and-so yeah. caught a pass on air. Like it's like a huge <laughs> play. Like practice observations of, yep. of, of stretching and warm-ups. Um, no doubt. Every year, it's an annual tradition. Wow, so-and-so looked good on the handoff. <laughs> really looks the part. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot uh, of stuff there to watch. Um, you know, guys um, – in-state recruiting, too, is a big topic, and that's something I'm going to hit on on the next segment. Um, for Nebraska right now, there are eight guys in the state that are three stars or higher that currently have Power 5 offers. That is the most or ties the most in history of the Rivals database. We're going to talk in-state recruiting in the year that could be next and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, the segment here of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. It's not baseball season, and it is still basketball season, Robin, but uh, we're not going to get too into basketball, but... Uh, if you're looking for a great place to watch Nebraska basketball, men's, women's, Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, but baseball, um, that was kind of their wheelhouse a year ago. Tanner's, any game that's BTN+, Plus, ESPN+, Plus, they'll have it on there. We were looking at the schedule. We at least can confirm the Friday night game with Sam Houston State is on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know if the other ones are on there. The, the websites don't say that it is, um, but if it is on ESPN+, Plus all weekend, they'll have it on at Tanner's, so... Uh, go in there, watch Nebraska baseball. A lot of excitement for Will Bolt's team. Uh, Tanner's on 30th and Yankee Hill. We'll get any game that's streamed. Um, so get in there, have a cold beer, some wings, and watch Will Bolt's team um, hopefully get a series weekend win. Uh, but, Robin, I want to talk in-state recruiting now 
Um, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and today, or at least Wednesday, the, the ratings got updated in our system at Rivals. There are now eight three-star players are better in the state of Nebraska. And I'm like, God, that's a lot. Uh, more than I'm used to seeing. And in fact, I'm like, I can't remember more than eight. And I went back and did the numbers check on this. There's only been eight players ranked three stars or better in Nebraska one other time. That was 20 years ago in the class of 2004. Crazy. So this year's recruiting group uh, for 2023 is the deepest in-state class that we've seen in Nebraska in 20 years in terms of power five recruitable football players. That's pretty remarkable. And I, you know, you want to talk about just the, <laughs> the, the, the narrative every year about how it's hard to recruit Nebraska's because there aren't enough players. That's a pretty darn good example of, uh, what the talent pool for the last 20 years has looked like. And um, I think it probably puts further emphasis now uh, on Nebraska's uh, need to make sure that now that there's actually recruitable players that uh, the majority of them need to stay in Nebraska. And I think a lot of people are going to echo those comments as these guys continue to build the recruiting profile going forward. Yeah. And, and going through the list, Gunnar Gatula, Lincoln Southeast, already a Nebraska commit. He's a four star Malachi Coleman, um, high three star from Lincoln East athlete, Maverick Newman, um, edge rush guy from Elkhorn South, legacy, high three-star. Ben Bramer, coach's son of Pierce, uh, Mark Bramer. He's already committed to Nebraska as a six-foot-six tight end. Um, then you've got Lincoln Highs, uh, Benny Nagoy, um, 6'4", 180-pound wide receiver. He's got some offers already from Power 5, not Nebraska yet. Um, doesn't have Iowa or Iowa State or Minnesota, um, but I believe it's KU and Pittsburgh right now for Benny at this point. Brock Knutson, um, now at Scott's Bluff. He was at Mitchell a year ago, a 6'7 tackle with KU, and I believe Iowa State offers. Sam Sledge, who um, is a legacy guy to Nebraska with a Husker offer, expected to be a Nebraska commit sooner rather than later. Then the newest one, kind of the flavor of the week, Gretna's Zane Flores, the six foot four quarterback who's been starting since his freshman year from the Dragons. In one week's time, he got a K-State offer, and he got a Nebraska offer, not a Nebraska offer, Oklahoma State offer, excuse me. Um, so that's pretty remarkable. And you study the history of Omaha, there hasn't been a Power 5 quarterback to come out of the Omaha area since 2004, and that was Alan Everidge when he signed with Kansas mm, State. I remember him. A lot, a lot of FCS guys. Um, you know, Kansas State signed some guys in Lincoln, Tavares Bender, um, Heinrich Harburgs from Carney Catholic went to Nebraska. Um, but in terms of Power 5 QBs, not a lot of them in there. And Zane Flores getting a couple of offers, and it's led to a lot of debate. Should Nebraska offer Zane Flores? Because you know, right now, I think Nebraska's got three guys kind of all on the top of the list, led by Avery Johnson and Wichita and J.J. Cole. And then there's a Massachusetts quarterback they've also offered that Mark Whipple's been on for a long time. So those are kind of their top three. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zane Flores, you know, does he kind of push his way in there and being a local guy, you're going to get a loud cry for St. Flores. What's your read on it? Um, I mean, my read was Mario a year ago. It just it just didn't feel like it was there. Like, he, I didn't see a rapport there. And at the times he had been in front of Mario and at the front of the lights, it just, just it wasn't really going anywhere from what I could tell. Mm-hmm. But Zane has had a good year, um, led Gretna to the state championship. Uh, I know. Quote, unquote. The, <laughs> Supposedly, by the way, Gretna's going to make their own trophy that's going to be like the exact same, but it's going to awesome. be even bigger. Yes, of course. He had to make it bigger. Some of the dads are going <laughs> to wood, wood shop an NSA's trophy. Absolutely. But um, 
yeah, I don't, it's gonna there's gonna be a lot more pressure because I okay, but let's play theoreticals here. Iowa's already got their quarterback, mm-hmm. so you don't have to worry about that angle. Wisconsin, um, you know, I think JJ Cole's the guy they're gonna go hard on. I don't I don't think they've even offered Cole yet, which is a surprise to me. Um, and then you know what one jumps out to me is Avery Johnson is located about two hours from Stillwater and Oklahoma State never offered Avery Johnson, but they offered Zane Flores. Zane Flores. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, do you like a Ford or a Chevy? I think you can, you can have a different view of these quarterbacks and how you mm-hmm. view them. And Mike Gundy didn't care for uh, Johnson, but offered Flores. And here's the thing you got to consider too is we – I mean, we as a public and, and media don't know what this new offensive staff, Mark Whipple, uh, uh, prioritize with their quarterbacks. We knew previously what the type of QB Nebraska was going to want, but do they want something different? And of these, you know, perceived top targets uh, at quarterback, how many of those best fit the mold of, of what they're looking for? So I think that's going to be a factor, too. It's Sure, it's obviously he's from Nebraska, you should recruit him, but if he doesn't fit what you want at the most important position of your team – that's going to play a factor as well as far as how hard Nebraska actually pursues him. And J.J. Cole um, does not have a Wisconsin offer. Um, he's got a Boston College, a Florida State, an Indiana, an Iowa, an Iowa State, Kansas, uh, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, Penn State, and Pittsburgh. Um, so Mark Whipple's offered him twice now, theoretically. Um, but yeah, that's, I like that's notable. I like Cole. I, I think he's good. Um, now the mobility. You know, he, he's, he could run, but that's not his forte. And Avery Johnson's more of a runner. I mean, he's also the leading scorer on the number one ranked basketball team in Kansas. And he's a standout baseball player for his high school baseball team. So mm. uh, two really standout guys. And, you know, I, I have a hard time being critical. I mean, Nebraska's offered a Des Moines and a Wichita quarterback. And I get it. There's one in Gretna now that has two. But it's not like they, they're, they're going after guys in the region. Yeah. And. Again, it's not just about where you're from, but what what do you fit what you want to do and what you want out of a quarterback. So I think that's until we get a better picture of what this offense is and uh, the the characteristics that they're really owning in on at that position, um, you got to look kind of beyond just geography about what Nebraska needs to prioritize. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we talk in-state recruiting. Uh, But Nebraska with five offers of those eight are ready uh, with Knutson and Flores and Nagoy being the three that don't have offers. So, um, you know, who would be the most likely? That's a great question because I think the evaluation on Knutson is still somewhat limited. Um, I, I don't believe Riola's really had much of a chance around him yet. Um, so w- will he get a Nebraska offer as a six foot seven tackle that's now at Scott's Bluff? We're going to have our in-state tour event the next two Sundays. Um, and Brock Knutson just confirmed to me um, – that he's going to be there. So we'll get a chance to see him on the 27th in Lincoln. Um, in fact, most of these players are going to be there of the eight. Uh, the only one I don't know for sure is Benny Nagoy from Lincoln High, if he's going to be at our event or not. But um, I believe seven of the other eight are going to be there. So um, hopefully all eight will be there and we'll get to see them all head, you know, in person and get a good, a good look at these guys. I thought it was also notable. You pointed this out um, earlier today, just not only about this 23 class being the most since 2004 but since 2004 there's only been three other classes that have had seven three three stars or higher and that was in 2008 and then 21 22 so we've had three straight classes in state with seven or more 
three star. So yeah, the twenty two. There's been twenty counting this year for twenty twenty three. You're looking at twenty two three star better guys in Nebraska over the last three classes. That's a run. That's the best run that the state's ever had by far. And it's crazy because you pair that with like the recent run in basketball. You know, just the the level of recruits that same storyline. There just wasn't that many players, but then all of a sudden they all come in this this big bunch between the maybe 2020 to 22 classes. Uh, there's the, this little window here with just overall in-state athletic talents, and obviously volleyball keeps churning them out. But uh, I mean, it's it's really baseball's and baseball, been, yeah. obviously, yeah. Uh, but just the the run with football and basketball in particular. I mean, it's. Well, it's pretty unprecedented compared to what the last 20 years have been. Even another step, softball, Jordan Ball from Papillion was the best pitcher in the country. Girls basketball. Look at the local talent coming out. Brett Prince at Mm -hmm. Elkhorn North. But, you know, you got to give a lot of credit, I mean, to local coaches. um, But I think kids are getting better training opportunities and developing. And part of getting recruited early is about having a good sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard. I mean, you think about your system. You grew up in Robin at, in Lincoln Public Schools back in the 90s and 2000s when it was just four high schools in the city. Mm-hmm. To play varsity as a sophomore, like, you had to be a dude. Yeah, and, no doubt. I mean, it was hard to get. And we're seeing more and more sophomore guys, let alone even freshman guys. Like Zane Flores and, and Sam Sledge started varsity at Gretna and Creighton Prep as freshmen. Mm-hmm. And that helps you get recruited. Absolutely. If you can play for a good team. Now, if you're playing for an 0-9 team as a freshman, I don't think you're gonna, it's going to matter. But if you're playing at Creighton Prep as a freshman, that's pretty – You know, th- those are the first two freshmen to ever play at Gretna and Prep. Right. And at, the opportunities beyond just high school, too, are greater than they've ever been with, with football, like the seven-on-seven camps and just the, the local summer camps that teams or kids can go there's to. There's more training, concentrated yeah, training. Yeah, and obviously the, the, the sport-specific academies that you see around the state between Lincoln and Omaha. you got first pick and explosive edge and, and yeah. Chris Slatt um, here in Lincoln and Kratos and Lincoln. I mean, there, there's some really good trainers out there, mm-hmm. um, you know, between Omaha and Lincoln that that have played a factor, I think, in getting these kids, you know, honing in on training. You know, you, it, high school coaches to an ex, a big extent too, but you got to do more than just your high school training now. Absolutely, and you know, I think that you pair all that stuff too, and then with basketball specific, uh, just the improvement in the AAU, the local AAU circuit here where their top talent isn't going down to Kansas to play for Mocan or going to Iowa to play for, you know, the Barnstormers program. Like you stay here and you play for, um, you know, the, the, the local Under Armour certified, you know, programs here that uh, have really, I think, elevated the exposure for in-state kids more than it's ever been. So it's a, a real kind of alignment of stars that have led to Nebraska prep athletes across the board, across all sports, getting exposure that they've never had before and probably getting recognized where previous classes just didn't have that opportunity. They, they may have been just as good, but they didn't have that opportunity to be seen like kids today do. All right, when we come back, uh, I've got a special guest joining me from Northern Ireland, John Higgins. Um, he's going to join me. Not the referee, by the way, John Higgins. Um, <laughs> um, but John Higgins from Northern Ireland is going to join me here as uh, he's got plenty of things that Husker fans are going to look into when they go on this trip here in August. So we'll hear from John Higgins in Ireland next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and as many Husker fans are planning, uh, they'll be heading out to Ireland for Nebraska's trip to take on Northwestern in the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic. This segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by the Aer Lingus Classic. And joining us here uh, for a brief moment uh, to talk more about things to do in Ireland, we're pleased to be joined by John Higgins of the Giants Causeway in Northern Ireland. John, welcome here to the Husker Online Show. And uh, let Nebraska fans know why they need to check out the Giants Causeway in Northern Ireland. Sean, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, Sean, the Giants Causeway is actually only three hour drive from Dublin and the Aviva Stadium. Uh, and we're actually situated right on the north coast of Ireland along the Causeway Coastal Route, which actually splits the two major cities in Ireland. Now, the Giants Causeway is Northern Ireland's only UNESCO World Heritage Site, with only three actually on the island of Ireland. Our famous basalt columns were formed actually by volcanic eruptions over 65 million years ago, but it's steeped in myth and legend, Sean, because if you come to our visitor centre, you'll actually see a short film about how the causeway was actually really built by an Irish giant called Finn McCool and his battles with a Scottish giant, Ben and Donner. And, you know, coming from Ireland, we love to tell a wee story or two. But, Sean, we actually are a five-star visitor attraction. We give you the opportunity. You can actually walk on top of our basalt columns. You'll actually get to see the unusual shapes and sizes of the columns. But we also offer a wide range of experiences. In collaboration with a lot of the local businesses, we have teamed up actually with the oldest licensed whiskey distillery in the world in Bush Mills. And of course, when you take a whiskey distillery to the causeway, mixing a blend of whiskey and geology, what do you get, Sean? You, of course, get whiskey on the rocks, proven very popular, especially with the, uh, the U.S. market. We like to see the World Heritage Site, possibly from a different point of view. Um, why not take it from the sea? We offer um, a, a experience from Valley Castle, which will take you to the likes of Ballantoy Harbour, take you to Carrigan Road Bridge and Giants Causeway, all from the sea, taking in ruined castles and uh, raised beaches and the wildlife on the way is stunning. And some fun facts, uh, Sean, there are over 40,000 columns of individual basalt, uh, ranging from three all the way to the nine sides. And any rocker fans, uh, the 1973 Led Zeppelin album, The Houses of the Holy, was actually designed on the Giants Causeway uh, stones themselves. And five miles from ourselves just around the coast. We have Royal Port Rush, which actually hosted the 2019 Open Championship and will be hosting again in 2025. Now, Sean, have you heard of Game of Thrones? Absolutely. I know a lot of our listeners well, have too. Studio. Excellent. Well, the new studio is actually just opened up just outside Belfast and Balm Bridge. Uh, but a lot of the locations themselves were actually filmed around the north coast. 
So you have the Dark Ages, you have Larry Ban, Port Stewart Strand, Fairhead, to name a few. So definitely worth checking out on the North Coast, especially along the Causeway Coastal Route. Now, Northern Ireland has so much to offer. The two major cities, you've got Derry City, uh, which joins up with the Wild Atlantic Way. Uh, great experiences there. So it's the Craft Village. You have the Peace, uh, the Peace Bridge. You have the Wall City Bury, of course, famous for Derry Girls. I'm sure you've maybe uh, watched that yourself. The Gobbins Cliff Walk, absolutely stunning. It's a journey through time and into the elements. You know, again, a new perspective of the sea. And the other uh, made the Belfast capital, or the capital of Northern Ireland, of course, is Belfast. You'll find Titanic, where actually the boat made its, uh, where it was built, and of course, its maiden voyage back in 2012. Um, sorry, 1912. And of course, the Oscars themselves uh, is out. Belfast, the movie, is actually up for seven Oscars. Uh, so certainly putting us on the map for that. Now, Sean, Northern Ireland has so much to offer, from food tasting to farm experiences to boat trips and, of course, everything in between. We are so blessed to have so much on offer on our doorstep. And remember, you're never, ever more than a giant step away. Well, Eugene, as we wrap it up here, uh, where can we find you? What's the best website um, to look up? Or, I'm sorry, John. Where, where, what's the best website, John, that we can look up things here to find? You will you will get us on the www.nationaltrust.causeway, uh, and you will get all the information. Or if you want to put them through to myself, uh, John Higgins at nationaltrust uk, and I will get all the information right through uh, and any information you may. Uh, required for that. Thank you, Sean. Well, thanks again uh, to John Higgins here uh, from joining us here from Northern Ireland uh, to tell us all about the great things to do for Nebraska fans uh, planning that trip. This segment, once again, was brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic when Nebraska will take on Northwestern. Much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Thanks again to John Higgins for joining us from Northern Ireland as he gets ready for the trip. Um, back in August, or coming up here in August, but uh, now let's move on to the mailbag. Uh, joining us here in studio, Husker Online's Abby Barmore, as uh, we take your questions on several topics. Abby, what do you lead us off with today in the mailbag? What are your top three picks for breakout player of the year this upcoming season? Um, Top three picks for breakout player of the year. I mean, Casey Thompson's like the obvious one. I mean, I, yeah, go do, do other positions but quarterback. That's too obvious. A.J. Allen really jumps out to me. Trey You're Paul, really high on him. Why? Because I think he's good. I mean, Rivals as a, a three-star. Other services have him close to a top 100 guy. Mm. And I think the way he cuts and moves, he's pretty electric. Trey Palmer, I think, should be in that boat. And in the secondary, I'm going to I'm gonna go with a wild card here. I'll say Deshaun Singleton. Yeah, I think Singleton's a dark horse to watch in that secondary. I think he could potentially push for a starting job. Before all is said and done, um, you know, 
I guess, does a breakout player have to be a newcomer? No. No. Okay. So I'm going to go with Thomas Fedoni. I'm, yeah, shoot. That's a good I'm one. really high <laughs> on him. Just, I mean, obviously because of his recruiting profile, but man, do you just see what he looks like now? He looks like a Big Ten tight end. Before, he was just kind of a skinny, like, you know, looked like a, a hybrid wide receiver type guy, but he looks like a legitimate tight end. And with you pair that skill set with a full on Big Ten frame, uh, I think that he has an awfully high ceiling in this offense. What do you got next, Ab? Where would you rank Nebraska in the conference for how they performed in December and January? Um, you talk about recruiting in football. Yep. I mean, I, I think towards the top third. I mean, I, I think it's really, really hard to know all the intricacies of every team because the portal recruiting and, and roster additions are tricky. Um, but Nebraska's got to be up there. I mean, nobody nobody got a quarterback haul like Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You know, again, two guys like that, and the receiver hall is impressive. They're bringing in three running backs, a bunch of DBs. They're still short on the D-line. They're still short on pass rush. They're still short on O-line, mm-hmm. like one body apiece. Yeah, and those still very much could be addressed after the spring. So as far as the work they've been able to do since, the, I guess, the beginning of December to now, uh, in my opinion, is as good as any team in the conference and definitely top third uh, for, for, for that sake. Who do you think will be the two deep on offensive line and defensive line? God, that's like a two-hour special on HBO to give the whole... Well, and we talked about earlier, like the O-line. I don't know if you can answer that right now. Um, I mean, today in the spring ball, let's just say spring ball, because there's no Henry, right? there's no um, Corcoran going in the spring because of injuries. So my left tackle is Brant Banks. Hunter Anthony will probably be his backup in the spring. My left guard is Nuri Newelli. Kevin Williams will probably be the backup left guard. Trent Hickson and... um, Ethan Piper, I'd say Piper has the leg up at center with those two guys at right guard. Um, I'm looking at two guys, Brock Bando and Henry, Henry Latoski, and at right tackle, Bryce Benhart um, will be there with, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the other, oh, um, Ezra Miller. Um, mm-hmm. And he's still considered a walk-on, I think. So th- those would be my top 10 in spring ball. Now, August, we're going to probably have a whole different conversation when other people return and maybe a transfer body. But that's what the spring looks like. On the D-line, um, you know, you got Casey Rogers, um, Ty Robinson, Ty Robinson in there. Um, and then obviously, uh, in, in, in the nose, probably Nash Hutmacher and the backup nose is kind of a wild card. You know, could it be Jalen Weaver, uh, but Ruquan Buckley, Masai Newsome, um, black. I mean, there's, there's some guys there, but they're short. I mean, they, they need one more body in there and, you know, they're short in the sense because we don't know much about these guys, Robin. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we had Ben Stilley and Kevin Williams and Damian Daniels here for 20 years, and those guys are finally gone now. So other people are going to get opportunities because those guys are gone. And I think Nash Hutmacher is probably the most intriguing. I mean, obviously you put him as your your projected number one, but um, with he was one of those guys that while all those veterans were getting all the snaps, that you, you heard his name at least, where, you know, you – People had to be asked about Ruquan Buckley and, and Jalen Weaver, whereas Hutmacher was a guy that was you know, voluntarily brought up as a guy that was standing out. Uh, so I think he is certainly one to watch as you know cl- the clear front runner right now at that position. But obviously, as you mentioned, that position still very much could be uh, adjusted with another addition uh, later on this fall. Robin, I got a basketball question All for right. you. Do you think Hoiberg can turn it around if given the opportunity? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Right now, uh, if doing what they've been doing the last three years, no. With the way they've managed their roster, with the 
style of play and the players they're bringing in to run that style of play, no, they cannot, they will not be successful. So can he be successful if he makes adjustments and adapts to the big 10 and maybe changes some philosophies with his roster management and, um, you know, recruiting priorities? Sure. I mean, as far as like X's and O's go, you know, I know people want to bag on Nebraska's offense, but, uh, he, Fred Hoiberg is still very much a highly respected basketball mind. And if he wanted to, he could get a job in the NBA like right now. He could make one phone call and be hired. So, I mean, from that basketball acumen standpoint, he's as good as there is out there. But now, obviously, running a college program requires a lot more than that. And is he going to be willing to make the proper adjustments to get Nebraska to not only be more competitive, but be more competitive in the Big Ten and play a style that is more conducive to this league. If he does, then yes. Have you heard any more about the meteorites deal? Do you think that Trev Alberts is going to move that in-house, um, out of house? Yeah, I mean, it's already out for bid. I mean, I, I think that's that's known right now. Like, the, the, the deal is out for uh, re-bid, and it's a matter of will it happen, like, right away or – you know, we will take a whole year, but you know, the fiscal year ends on June 30th. So if something like this could get going by July one, and you know, there's a reason why no other team manages the rights on their own. It's such an overhaul of work. Instead of just getting a check for 12, $13 million, and then they do all the work and you just get the check. Nebraska had to do all the work and all the sales and all the management of things. And it, and I, I think you know, maybe it could have worked, but I think it just doesn't make sense to, to take on all of that work. And I think Trev saw the numbers where they were at and just said, you know what, let's 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 get a let's get a partner on this again. And um, we'll see where it goes in the long run. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all by July one if there's a new partner. Yeah. And it, I mean, just the you, know, you said it didn't make sense, but obviously the timing of it was especially weird where you're turning down a guaranteed check where you don't have to do anything and then instead taking on all this extra responsibility during a point where you know you're laying people off and doing budget cutbacks and all that stuff so uh, a very odd decision to say the least yeah in Nebraska um, you know supposedly in March of 2020 they had a great renewal offer on the table and kind of drug their feet I mean I don't want to say drug but then COVID hit like a week later and that offer changed a little bit in, in, in the, in the terms of it once COVID hit. And, and I think that's what led them down the road. They went because the offer changed and yeah, you just wonder looking back and there were other offers besides IMG though. I do know that. And, and one of the offers was extremely lucrative and they chose not to take it. So um, we'll, we'll see if other partners get involved because there were at least two other companies, including legends um, who does the Dallas Cowboys that wanted the Nebraska deal. Yeah. So, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that they're going to get back to uh, operating the way they previously did because it just makes too much sense to not do it. All right. What do you got next? How would you grade the job that Trev Alberts has done given the state of Nebraska athletics when he came in? Um, it's too early to say. I mean, I, I, I don't – I mean, I, I think, honestly, he's only been on the job a little over six months. And – the big lifting in terms of the football future, the stadium future and Fred Hoiberg's future in the basketball program, those things aren't done yet. So mm-hmm. I think it'd be premature to say like he's done a good or a bad job because I think it's very much incomplete. Yeah. And you know, to his credit, he's inherited quite the mess um, just with the, the contracts that he's had to deal with. And obviously the performance from his most uh, important sports uh, that has probably been uh 
a little bit more uh, to, to, to work with than he anticipated. So I guess for the here and now, he's done a good job. Um, you know, I think that he's renewed optimism, helped renew optimism in the football program, um, you know, created opportunities for Frost for one last chance. And I anticipate he'll kick the can down the road a little bit more and do the same with basketball. But the big decisions, you know, those are going to have to be made at some point, whether it's, uh, you know, this season or next. We've talked about Nebraska spring, but what are some other Big Ten football schools that you are excited to see, you know, looking forward to see their spring and how the, how that turns out? Oh, I mean, there's I'm trying, just trying to think. Northwestern intrigues me just because Nebraska plays mm-hmm. them in Ireland, and um, I think Halinski is their quarterback. So, But they'll have a new defensive coordinator at Northwestern, but it's, Pitt, it's Gerald's a defensive guy, so will they change much of what they do? But – there's not a lot. I mean, I think the the Big Ten really across the board, uh, you know, Harbaugh, Michigan. Yeah, maybe Michigan with the turmoil they've <laughs> Jim, but Jim Harbaugh kind of created there. There wasn't really any um, turnover in the Big Ten. I mean, it was a good year for, you know, other than Nebraska. I mean, every, everybody else kind of over met or met expectations, if you're really being honest, about the league. Um, Illinois, you know, winning five over met expectations. Indiana underperformed. Indiana was the big disappointment, but I think Tom Allen got a mulligan mm-hmm. for, you know, and, and Rutgers got to a bowl. I mean, so I think honestly, like Indiana and Nebraska are the only two fan bases that could be really, truly that upset. Uh, Penn State to an extent. Um, it's just, I, I believe Penn State, their quarterback thing intrigues me that they continue to go with um, Clifford. Clifford. I mean, and he's back again, right? I know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, is that the best they can get? I wouldn't think so. You'd think a school like that would be able to draw something a little bit better than that. But um, you know, I guess Minnesota's another team, just with what they're returning. I mean, bringing a bunch of portal yeah. linemen in. Yeah, their offensive line for the first time, probably since PJ Fleck has been here, is going to get completely revamped. But they bring back their best quarterback, the best running back, and their best wide receiver. So they're going to be a team to to keep an eye on. All right, anything light to end on, Abby, or are we done? This one's a thinker. Best walk-on of all time at Nebraska. Mm. I had three I shared in the chat. Jarvis Redwine, I Am Hip, and Jared Tomich. Those would be my three. Two running backs and one defensive lineman. I believe all of them are all-conference, and Tomich was an Mm All-American. I think I said Tomich in the chat, but if you want to take it a little bit further, there's some special teamers. Alex Henry. Sam Cook, and obviously Sam Foltz. I mean... Uh, obviously, Sam didn't even get to complete his Kyle career. Larson. And so he was right on track to be a potential draft pick when all was said and done. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of names you can choose from. But just from the accomplishments, the national championships, I had to go Jared Thomas. You know, um, kick specialists were almost always walk-ons. Like Chris Brown was one of the first. Yeah, what a, like, spoiled run Nebraska had there. Just getting, like, all-conference-level walk-ons just to join then go on to the NFL and replace it with another player. You know, though, when your program was as dominant as Nebraska, they could get away with developing guys. Mm-hmm. But now the margins are a lot tighter. And Didn't know what we had. You know, you, well, <laughs> when you're not as good and you're punting back on the 20 a lot more, yeah, um, it's it's bigger deal. But when you're punting from midfield, when you're punting, it's a little bit easier for a guy to break in that way. Um, and Nebraska just, you know, the, I, their struggles, it trickled down all the way to special teams and, mm-hmm. and some of the things that you took for granted because the dominance of the program, you know, 
Special teams was a factor, but it, they were so good in everything else that you could kind of develop it as you went along. Yeah, and then the young scholarship guys they did get were misses. Uh, you know, they had guys that were supposed to shore those positions up, and they didn't. And then you're left with these young scholarship players eating up roster spots and uh, kind of puts you behind the eight ball just from the jump. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show. We're going to talk some Nebraska baseball and more. You're listening to the Oscar Line Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. It's baseball season, and boy, there's some excitement. Um, usually we talk some basketball. Nebraska basketball plays Friday night. Um, two home games left. Obviously, things aren't going very well, so we're not going to spend a lot of time talking basketball. Um, that, that show will have its day, Robin, um, when there's more to discuss at the end of the year. But I don't think there's a lot of... Uh, Real intrigue uh, to discuss baseball or basketball right now, but there is on baseball and uh, Nebraska baseball will open this weekend down in Huntsville, Texas. Uh, they'll play a four game series with Sam Houston State Friday night, doubleheader Saturday, and then they'll play a getaway game on Sunday at one. Then they're on the road again at TCU. In fact, um, Nebraska will be in Texas three straight weekends. Um, they're going to be in the Dallas area the the next two weekends um in arlington and then houston houston area this weekend so a lot of texas flavor abby you've been over at some of these baseball press conferences um what's your feel i mean just the expectations and you know there seems like there's a pretty big microscope now on will bolt squad heading in this year yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of eyes on them going into this year, and a lot of polls they're picked to win the Big Ten. So, you know, last season they were picked a little bit lower, so now they have more expectations, more eyes. But what I hear from the players and from Bolt himself is that they don't feel like they've arrived yet, which I think is a good sign. Like, they still have a lot to accomplish. They have their eyes set on a regional. And, of course, they announced those um, – four pitching starters that they have Friday. It's going to be um, left-hander Kyle Perry Saturday, Shea Shanman. And then the second game on Saturday will be Dawson McCarville. And then Sunday they have Braxton Bragg. So I think that's a good group they have. Um, they've got like a lot of experience with those. And Bolt was talking about how Kyle Perry and Shea Shanman were pretty much one a and one B at that pitching spot and they decided to go with Kyle first because that he's a left-hander and that that would create kind of interesting matchup for other teams approaching that with them the first night so yeah I think they're excited and um you know the things that we've been hearing from the team is good and they're they're ready to go they obviously lost a lot of firepower uh with their bats I mean losing Spencer Schwellenbach Jackson Hallmark, Roskam, Aker, you know, some pretty key pieces from that Big Ten championship team. But they do bring back a, a good core of veterans, Camp Chick, Griffin Everett, Max Anderson, Bryce Matthews. So uh, where is kind of the, the feeling on just what the bats are going to be like? Are they going to be uh, as potent as they were a year ago, or do you see they're going to be a, a notable drop-off? I think it'll still be potent, but I don't know – at how much um 
I think there might be a little bit of a drop-off in the home runs just because they had a lot last year, and Will Bolt said that they before last year they hadn't expected to hit that many home runs. But he also said in a press conference about last week that he felt that there was no easy outs in that mm-hmm. lineup, and he felt really good about it. And they also have Colby Gomez coming back, who was out last year with an injury. He's a first baseman, a good closer for them, and also he was a pretty dynamic hitter when he was healthy. So I think there might be a little bit of a drop-off, but hope maybe not as noticeable, just a little bit of a change in the offense. In Nebraska, uh, Abby, they've been outside a lot more. I mean, this has been obviously a very dry February in Nebraska, but the weather, I mean, there's been a lot of 50s and 60-degree days. I can't remember a time where Nebraska's been able to be outdoors this much, and then they'll go down to Texas and have a couple of practices before they play their game on uh, on Friday. Yeah, I think that's going to be huge for them that they've been able to practice outside so much. Bolt said that this is the most that he can remember, that they've had nice days where they could practice outside while he's been coaching and also as a player. So, And that really impacts them. They're hitting, pitching, especially when they have some younger guys, getting them physically on a mound instead of just having them inside. And also it kind of helps with that tunnel vision when you're hitting inside all you can see is the ball coming at you but when you're outside you can you can see the fence you you're really aiming for that so I think being able to be outside a lot for them is going to be pretty beneficial and there is no preseason Big Ten pullout at least as a taping time here on a Wednesday but um, every metric you see right now Nebraska is the consensus favorite right now to win the Big Ten and I don't think anyone's going to argue that I mean Nebraska ran through this league a year ago and they return a really good core. I, I know Povich is gone, and, and obviously, um, you know, uh, Schwellenbach is gone, um, but they still have a huge core of guys returning where, you know, they, they are the, the pick right now to win the league. Yeah, and they do have those, those first two pitchers. I mean, they have a lot of experience, and while Kyle was out last year due to a Tommy John injury, he was out for most of the year, came back for the last few games, and so I think they do have a really good core. And they know they know what they have, and I think these pitchers are really going to step up for them. One thing that I like about the the schedule, obviously, they don't come home until March 11th. But uh, I've always liked when they get these teams from like SoCal and you know the Texas that come up and have to play like a early March game. And, and there's can, a big crowd because you know it's going to be like one of those deals where like it's going to be like spring, but then winter's going to come back, and it'll probably be. <laughs> It'll be like 30 snow degrees. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, it's it's like that every single year. So they open that series of March 11th through the 13th, a three-game series with Long Beach State. And that just strikes me as one of those opportunities where Nebraska could get a statement series win. Just like, remember a few years ago when they had UCLA come to town and they had uh, you know, a couple like future major league starters in that rotation. They were able to take two, uh, yeah, two of three in that series. And that kind of set the tone for the season. I think that not only do you get a handful of games under your belt, um, you know, including a game in Manhattan, Kansas right before that, but then you open with teams that are going to be out of their element a little bit. I really think that that's a nice home field advantage for Nebraska. And all the season tickets are sold out for reserved seating. So a lot of people it's going to be a party banking on, and maybe those taps will be turned on. Yeah, maybe fingers <laughs> crossed. So well, lots to follow Abby Barmore, uh, Blake Arney and uh, Grant Hansen, our latest edition uh, to Husker Line, we'll, we'll all cover baseball for us this year, and uh, we'll definitely be working in more baseball. Lance Harville's been great to the show. We'll probably have Coach Harville on again as well. But uh, make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as we'll have complete coverage of this weekend's baseball series. <laughs>
Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.